Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Hello all and welcome to another Flying Solo podcast. So good to have you with us. Please don't forget, we'd welcome any feedback, comments, anything you want to say, uh, preferably on iTunes would be terrific or indeed on our Facebook Facebook page or anywhere else you like, frankly. Now, look, my guest today is Andrew Klein. He's an MC, trainer, and speaker. He's appeared uh, and indeed MC'd and spoken at over 850 conferences and events in a career spanning some 20 years. Our paths first crossed around a decade ago and more recently again at the Council of Small Business Annual Conference. We're going to look at how to make the most of conferences and events. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you very much for having me on. Well, it's, look, it's a pleasure. Now, um, have, you, have you just kind of landed from somewhere this week? What have, what's your schedule been like the last couple of weeks? I have. I have landed from the uh, National Insurance Brokers Association Annual Convention oh. in Melbourne, and it was actually great fun. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> he, good he says with a slightly surprised voice, well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I am imagine that with, uh, look, I know we're going to get into some uh, tips of, of how to make the most out of conferences and events, but uh, I mean, do you have just, after 20 years, do you have a little bit of kind of trepidation as you walk in there for your first day, or do you kind of bounce in going, you know, this is going to be a breeze? What's it, what's it like in your in your role? Uh, look, I have to say, I'm not an extrovert outside of work, but I'm very, very comfortable. You've used the term bouncing in. Mm. I do energetically bounce into the vast majority of conferences that I do. I do. I really enjoy my work. Yeah. And I do like meeting new people. I love hearing the speakers. I enjoy the whole conference experience. So, no, despite having done it for a long time, I'd say I'm probably more enthusiastic about it as the years go on rather than less. Very little trepidation. I really enjoy it. <laughs> That's great. I must say, when I saw you at that um, Cosbo event, you, you certainly bounced in there. And, you know, a, a tricky audience, but you, you got them nicely livened up. So it's uh, you, you're very good at your work. But, look, you know, you know that. So look, oh, I appreciate, appreciate that. I do, I do enjoy the challenge of a new conference, as in I hadn't done that one before. Oh, okay. So, is there trepidation? I don't know. It's just it's excitement to see how a new group of people will uh, will respond. Yeah. Okay. Well, look. Hopefully, there may be somebody listening in who can uh, give you a bit of a referral and let's see if we can get you something completely wacky as your next conference. But okay. So look, let's the the topic today then is to is to look at how we can make the most of conferences and events. Now, what what's your kind of observation, indeed, of of small business people and events? 
I guess one of the observations, and it's through chatting with small business people who do go to conferences, one of the observations I have is that as a small business person, it can be, life can be, I am one myself, Mm. it can be a bit solitary. So a lot of small business people that I talk to spend their time working from home or working from a small office, often literally solo, sometimes just with one or two people. And apart from interacting with customers, and a lot of businesses these days don't even interact directly face-to-face with a lot of customers, mm. a lot of work, as you know, is done uh, digitally on online, they don't necessarily get out and see, A, what the rest of the world is doing because they're busy looking after their own commitments with their own small business. And perhaps they don't get the opportunity all that often to see what's going on in their industry outside of their work. So conferences from a small business perspective, I think provide people with a a great opportunity Mm. to get outside the office and to meet lots of other people who in many ways are doing exactly the same thing that they are, but they don't necessarily get to meet on a day-to-day basis, let alone an annual basis. Of course, a lot of the conferences feature people who are from the corporate world who are interacting with people all the time, but I think for small business people, getting out and perhaps getting out of their comfort zone for some people mm. and meeting totally new people is is a worthwhile thing to do. Yeah, look, I, I would wholeheartedly endorse that. And I think it's certainly true, as you say, that um, you know we, it, it's very easy to kind of fall back on social media and to um, sort of tick the box or so we think that that's our kind of networking done. Whereas, in fact, really, I think nothing beats, you know, good old face to face. But then equally, you know, I, I frequently have conversations with with soloists and, and other small business owners that say, oh, I went to that event, but, you know, I didn't talk to anyone, didn't meet anyone, didn't get much from it. And, you know, that's what we've got to change, isn't it? So I, I think you've got some you've got some tips for us as to how we can really get the most out of events. So where do you want to start us off? Uh, Okay. Well, maybe I'll start with the point that you've just raised, that there are a lot of people that I see who they go to a conference and it's really no different to going to a party when we were 17 (laughs) and walking into a room with people that we don't really know and it's all a little bit nerve-wracking and it's, well, I'd like to go and talk to that person, but they might think I'm a bit odd. So I'll tend to hover around the people that I already know. Mm, Very common. So what do we do? What do we do about that? So look, it is very much a a get out of your comfort zone Mm. and realize that the vast majority of people who are at that conference are thinking exactly the same thing that you are. And they are also a little bit reluctant to go and talk to somebody new. So when somebody walks up to somebody else, the person who is being walked up to is often thinking, great, I'm, I'm genuinely glad this person is coming to talk to me because I wasn't willing to yeah, be do that the, person. Do the same. Yeah, look, I, yeah. I think that's a, that's a great opening point. But, you know, I guess when you're walking in there as an MC and, and I, you know, I go to conferences uh, as, a, as a speaker and when you walk in with a role, it's really easy, I find, to kind of bounce up to somebody and just say, hey, you know, I'm Robert, I'm Andrew, you know, I'm going to be speaking soon. But for somebody who's a delegate, who's, who's there sort of, you know, going to be sitting in the room, how do you think, what, what's the best way to kind of get into that, you know, the little group of people clustering over there, eating their warm meat pies, 
how would you suggest they kind of get into that initial conversation? It, what I'm about to suggest, I guess, can sound a little bit awkward, but to walk up to two or three people who are already chatting, remember those two or three people very likely don't know each other either. They've only just come together. And to be very overt and name the elephant in the room and say, hi, I'm Andrew, I don't know anyone here, do you mind if I chat with you? You are always going to be answered with a, absolutely, it's great to have somebody else, I'm Phil, I'm Jane, and this is where I'm from, and off you go. Yeah, okay, That's so open and honest, I don't know anyone, and I think human nature is such that the minute you do that, as you say, people are not going to turn around and go, oh, well, you know, you're boring then go away that just yeah, never absolutely. never happens all right so we've got to we've got to walk in we've got to um kind of tough it out a little bit push ourselves slightly out of our comfort zone get into a conversation where to next what else can we be doing uh so so the area that you're talking about is when you're out having drinks or when you're out at morning tea yep. the other area of course is when you walk into the plenary session or into a concurrent breakout session mm. the tendency for most people is i'm going to sit up the back, on the aisle, as far away from everyone as possible, <laughs> and I'm going to be on my phone so that when somebody else walks into the room, they won't sit next to me and I don't have to talk to them. I would tend to go, again, it's not because I'm an extrovert, but I would tend as an attendee at a conference to go and sit next to somebody who is on their own because yep. that person doesn't really want to be on their own. They're just a bit uncomfortable to do what you're about to do, which is to walk up, sit next to a stranger, introduce yourself, have that quick conversation before the presentation starts. And now you've made your friend that you can then walk out of the conference room with and go and stand in the buffet queue with and maybe sit next to. You've done it. You've broken the ice and they will be happy that you have done it. Yeah, okay, good. So uh, I have these, uh, this, this vision of my son in class, you know, sitting at the back of the room and keeping your eyes down not not to engage I'm sure he doesn't do that but uh, again we we need to do the opposite we need to not necessarily go and sit in the front row but not alienate ourselves not cut ourselves off and sit in the you know the quiet sort of the quiet space go and get involved a bit exactly I think even to go back thinking about your question even going back a step before you even get to that point that the first question would be, have you done your research before the conference starts by going through the agenda, through the sessions, and working out, well, which are the sessions that I'm going to go to? Where am I going to get the most value? And which sessions are most likely, not only to interest me, but to contain people who I would like to speak to? Mm. What I see happening at a lot of conferences is people don't really make any decisions beforehand and they just really wander into a session because it sounded a little bit more interesting. That's so true, isn't it? Gosh, that that um, reminds me of the of the flying solo events that we used to do a few years ago. And you'd at the end of a coffee break, you'd have little huddles of people going, "Oh, where are you going to next? Oh, I've got no idea." You know, not planning it. That's such a good point, Andrew. You've got to think, have a good look at the program. It's always published before the event, isn't it? Work out where you're where you're going to be going. Presumably, also have a little bit of a look at who exactly is presenting, and maybe do a bit of research on them. That's a, that's a great point. And, and that research, I would say, in this day and age, if I'm going to spend an hour, let alone three days, at a conference, I don't want that hour to be wasted by listening to a speaker that is boring. Mm. 
though, what I would always tend to do and I suggest to people to do, this is why it's worth doing this stuff beforehand, your due diligence beforehand, is Google that person. Yep. Read up about them. Jump onto YouTube. Have they spoken before? You'll get a pretty good idea as to whether this is a person that I want to donate 45 minutes of my life listening to <laughs> or whether if I walk in and I find out after five minutes that this person may well be the subject expert but they can't present, I'm sort of stuck. You sort of can't leave. It's a bit awkward, a bit tricky. Yep. So then you waste 45 minutes. You end up on your phone doing your emails and you, the investment that you've made in your time has been wasted. So do that research beforehand. Yeah, okay, great point. Lovely. Okay, where are you going to take us now? <laughs> so I guess we've covered what to do beforehand. We've covered what to do as in where to sit, what to do during the conference, during mm. the actual sessions. So as, a, as an MC and as a speaker, the main thing that I see from the stage when I'm MCing is people making that decision can I get away with looking at my phone during this session? Right. And so what I tell people to do is have the confidence that even in 2016 that you've made the investment that you're going to go to a conference. I'm not saying leave your phone behind. I'm not saying turn your phone off. No one turns their phone off. But put your phone away for 45 minutes and realise that you don't have to answer the emails, you don't have to scan social media for those 45 minutes, invest your time and energy in really engaging in that presentation. Yep. And, and while you're engaging in that presentation, I used to tell people to take notes, as in I used to say, if you want to get the most value out of the conference, take notes. I actually think it's a waste of time oh. to get out a pen and paper and old style take notes. And the reason is that I'm of the belief that you're never going to look at those notes again in your life. Never. Hmm. What I suggest to people to do with your phone or with your iPad is take notes directly into your phone and iPad because you are slightly more likely to look at those notes because they are going to be on your system, in your Outlook program or or on your notes program in your iPad, whatever system, Evernote, whatever yep. type of system you use, you're more likely to look at them. Yeah, okay, you're that's it, more that's likely it. to send them to yourself, as in so that you actually got it in your inbox. And you're also more likely, and it's much easier, to then disseminate your notes to the people that you work with yep. or to your customers or your clients, because you're not going to you're just not going to get your handwritten notes and then write them up afterwards. Yeah, okay. So it's actually acceptable. I say this as a speaker and as an MC, someone who, who lives in the conference world. It's quite acceptable to have your iPad open or your laptop or your phone and to be putting information into it while the, while the speaker is speaking. Yeah, okay. Uh, interesting. So you're, you're, yeah, okay. So you're not, you're not saying, you're not suggesting don't take notes, but you're saying take notes in a format and a, and a, and a location where you like to do something with them. So I totally get that. What about, um, how, what's your view and indeed the view of speakers of, of uh, this increasing habit that I see where people will just pull their, their phone out and take a photo of the slides or a particular slide? I mean, that seems to me to be a fabulous way to capture detail and information. How does it sit with the speakers? Okay, how does it sit with the speakers? It sits differently with different speakers. There are some speakers who, even in 2016, in this age of sharing everything, 
who are a little bit proprietary about their slides, but not many speakers are anymore. The vast majority of speakers are going to make their slides available afterwards. But to go back to my previous point about taking notes old style, most people don't have the time or energy to go back to that presentation to go onto the PowerPoint slides that have been sent out and to look at them. Yep. And so therefore it saves everyone a lot of time and it makes total sense in 2016. And it's not something that only 16 year olds do to get out your phone, exactly as you said. And if you see a words, words of wisdom on a slide or an infographic that is magnificent or a terrific piece of information or an inspirational quote or something that you wanna hang on to, absolutely take photos of it again mm. you've got them you've captured them you can send them out you can disseminate them to me it's a no-brainer uh very few conference organizers that i know of and very few speakers that i know of have an issue with that yeah it's interesting it's still it, it's um even hearing you say all that it's it's ever so slightly a bit of a gray area still isn't it because i'm thinking if you're sitting in the audience the speaker possibly hasn't said anything um, and you want to take a picture, there is a, sometimes a hesitation, should I do this? And as you say, you know, in this day and age, for goodness sake, most speakers certainly should embrace that and be very happy that people are, are doing it. But um, some don't. But I wonder who, you know, is the onus on the, per this is a slight distraction, I understand, but, you know, is the onus on the person in the audience? Is it on the organiser? Is it on the speaker? Is it on the MC? I mean, I think we need to change this, don't we? We need to... I I agree with you wholeheartedly. And you asked me that question, I'm in a slight dilemma. And that's because despite the fact that I haven't practiced law for 23 years as right. a former lawyer, as a former lawyer, it is a slight gray area because, mm. you know, do you actually have permission to do that? Yeah. Um, taking my legal hat off and just being very practical in 2016 and the horses bolted about it. Um, I reckon it's totally cool. I reckon if any small business person has any doubts as to whether it's okay, I would just wander up to the speaker afterwards and say, hey, do you mind? I've taken some photos. But yeah. the speaker has seen it. Yeah. You can always ask the conference organiser. Uh, I do sometimes say, as an MC, I do sometimes say it's totally cool to do it. Yeah. But what you don't want is a situation where you've got 300 people in a room and everyone's got their phones up taking photos and the people behind can't see and there's flashes going off sure. and it's you know it's a little bit like a rock concert where nobody's actually watching the concert anymore everyone's just recording it hmm. um but yeah putting all those things aside it's the quickest easiest 2016 social media landscape world of capturing a piece of gold in 2 seconds I would do it. Yeah, okay, great. You heard it here first, guys. So that's lovely. The horse, the horse is bolted. Okay. All right. So look, we've uh, we've done our preparation. We've found out who the speakers are. We've done a bit of research on the speakers. We walked up to people. We've sat down in a spot we're next to somebody. We talked about how to make notes. Hmm. Dying to know where to next. Okay. So so where to next? I'm actually going to step outside of the conference room altogether oh. to the area at the conference where. I actually think the the, the bulk of um, energy should be spent at a conference. And the truth is, despite the fact that I make a living from what goes on inside the conference room, 
it's very much outside the conference room where the conference value mm. comes into play. So true. And that's at things like the breakfast, the lunch, and the dinner. And as much as you can learn great things from great speakers and be inspired and pick up some nuggets of information inside the conference room, it's all about the networking. All the information that you get inside that conference room, you can probably get through Googling it. You can probably get by getting the speaker's notes. So the conference room itself, very important, but it's all about networking. And from a small business perspective, you have the opportunity to make connections with either people who are who do exactly the same job as you, but they do it in Bathurst and you do it in Perth. Yep. So it's really interesting to hear the perspective of somebody who does a very similar job to you because they're in the same profession as you because they're at the same industry conference as you. Mm. And to sit with them over dinner and talk about what works, what doesn't work, what have they tried, what are some of their tips and tricks, what are yours, and and literally learn from them, even though that didn't happen inside the conference room. So always go to the dinners, always go to the lunches, always go to those breakfasts, even stepping out of your comfort zone. Sit next to a stranger. Don't sit next to your friends. Sit next to a stranger at the dinner. Mm. And, and network with them. It's not a dirty word to network. People are uncomfortable with the idea of, oh, I'm networking, I'm asking for business cards. I think business cards are passe at conferences, to be honest. Just get the person's name and hook up with them on LinkedIn. Just save yourself the trouble of exchanging a card and ending up with all these cards that you don't even need. Let me just ask you one question there then. So you talked about you know, lunches and dinners uh, and breakfast. And one thing that I've always found a, a bit of an issue is when you go, and with small business events, increasingly they seem to be, uh, I'm talking about events as opposed to a conference. So yes, conferences often over a day, a couple of days, even longer, and yes, you've got breakfast, lunches, and dinners. But a, increasingly a lot of small business type events, uh, and you will know this anyway, I know, are sort of compressed. So you might get you know, morning tea, um, and that might be it. You, know, you, you may get a breakfast, you may get a lunch, but... Sometimes I find when it's like a breakfast event, which are very common within small businesses, particularly within the solo audience, because the, you know the theory is we've all got very busy days, so let's get it away. You know, get an event happening early in the morning, everybody can get back to the office at nine o'clock, sort of thing. The problem with the breakfast is you you get plonked in a seat, or you put yourself in a seat, and you've got one person to your left, one person to your right, um, but there might be sixty other people in the room. So how do we get around them? And how do I we think, branch yeah, I think out a bit the reality, more? The reality is that you do you go along to something like that and you just hope to God that you are sitting between not only two interesting people <laughs> but two nice people that you can have a conversation with, but it doesn't always happen. Mm. And the tendency is to be looking for the new shiny objects and to try and chat with as many people as you possibly can. I think the reality is when you have a, a short event, there are going to be some where you are going to sit next to two people who are going to make no difference to your business whatsoever. And then you're going to go to another one where you're going to meet one person and that person is going to be a really valuable contact or a person that you're going to get work from. But the next one you go to might not be the case. Yeah, You can't chat with, you know, if I even if I go to a three-day conference, I'm probably going to chat with you know, meaningful chats with a handful of people in that whole time. Mm. 
Yep. So it's a little bit of a lottery, but I think you do look a bit silly and it's a bit artificial and a bit contrived to try and speak to everybody. Yep. Yeah, you just can't do it. There are going to be some events that will yield something and some events that won't yield something. Yeah, I think you, 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 there's a little point you mentioned there, which is um, also an interesting one, which is is having this notion in your mind of actually who would you like to meet? You know, I think often in our businesses, we know we need something. We often look whether it might be a, a web developer or a designer or a bookkeeper or, you know, there's, there's possibly someone that we're, we're trying to find. And I, I've always um, found it to be very useful if I'm going to an event and think, okay, what would I actually like to come away from today? Apart from what I'm learning from the person on the stage, who would I like to meet? Because I find that if you go into it with that sort of clarity – then there's often opportunities where you can sort of say that to somebody else. I don't, you know, do you know anyone who's a, a really good bookkeeper? Or do you know, if you've, it's a bit of thinking around that, what do, what do you reckon? Yeah, just to go back to the point that we started with about the research that you do beforehand, mm. a lot of functions, a lot of events, a lot of shorter networking events and conferences, you can get the, once you've registered, you can get the list of the other people who are coming. Now, that doesn't mean go and spam them and contact them all. But if I was going to an event, let's use you as an example, and I wanted to meet Robert Gerrish and I had seen that you were going to be at that event as, a, as an attendee, and I didn't know who you were, but I knew of you, I would jump onto LinkedIn. I'd go, oh, okay, that's the guy with the long hair and the graying good looks and the beard. Um, I know what he looks oh, keep like. Keep it going. I'm keep gonna- it going. <laughs> I'm going to find him at the yeah, conference. Yeah. Like I'm, I know what you look like now. In this day and age, you can stalk someone on social media, find out who they are. It's all above board. And I'm going to seek that person out because that's the person that I want to talk to. Mm. So I yeah. don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, with, with doing that. No, I think that's a great point. Can I just dive in again? I'm sorry to keep interrupting you, but I, I can't stop myself. That's uh, cool. And you must have seen this a lot of times. You know, when, you've, when you're at an event and there's a speaker up on the stage and let's say they're a really good speaker and they're really captivating and then at the end of their talk everyone everybody wants to meet her everybody wants to talk to her if you were someone in the room and you knew that you know this wonderful woman was was going to be up there presenting how would you make damn sure that you got to speak to them is there any little tips that you've observed from the from the podium um i wouldn't and when I say I wouldn't, oh, okay. it's not because I wouldn't want to talk to them. It's because I'm not convinced that you get a really good op- – when, when somebody's finished speaking on stage, you don't really get a very good opportunity to talk to them at that point, particularly if there's another 17 people who also want to talk to them. Yep. What I would do and what I have done on many occasions once the conference is finished, and by which I mean the next day or a few days later – is I will hunt them down on social media again. Yeah, okay. And I will send them a tweet or hook up on LinkedIn, and then I will say, look, I didn't get the opportunity to speak to you afterwards but wanted to say that it was magnificent and I just wanted to ask you a question, but there were so many other people. I reckon you'll get that person's time and energy more effectively that way than by giving them the rock star treatment afterwards when the head's probably not 
really in a in a good place anyway because they've just come off stage. Yeah, and they're aware that there's another 19 people beckoning for their time. I'd send them a text or an email. Yeah, do you know, I think that's a great point. I think about it from um, again as you speak there, just from my own experience. When you kind of finish at the, you know, presume, assuming that you've had a good presentation, you do stand there feeling like, oh, I'm so good. Um, and right. you know, and people are, are sort of coming out to have a chat with you, but then you get back home and you know reality bites and the you know the dishwasher needs emptying and the bins need putting out and you're back to your real world and that's actually a lovely point um to and very receptive sort of point for someone to make contact and say hey i saw you doing that i'd like to talk to you about this it's um as you say a day or two after that's 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 a great point from from the speaker's point of view to be honest it's actually a lot more flattering and they genuinely are likely to give you their time more because you've made more of an effort than the other 17 people who just literally walked three metres to say, oh, I really loved you, can I mm. ask you a question? So I'd, you know, if you want to connect with them because you want to get their wisdom or you'd like to offer them something or you'd like to meet them for a coffee or, or establish the relationship for business purposes further, I think you'll get more and they will appreciate what you've done a lot more if you wait a day or two and take the time to find them, contact them. Yeah, and then probably reference some of the points they were talking about and show that you were listening would be good. Okay, lovely. Where to now? So we 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 were talking about. Sorry, I took you way way off track there. We were talking no, about <laughs> lunches, dinners, breakfasts. So so two final two final things, I mm. guess. One would be for the longer conference, so the day or two day conference, is just to pace yourself. What I do see happening with a lot of people is they don't get to go to a lot of events, they don't get to a lot, of, they don't go to a lot of conferences, and so. I know it sounds a little bit old style, but there are some people who party pretty hard at a conference because they don't get to do it very often. And while I understand the fact that there's the fun element, absolutely, and there's the social element, it's wonderful to get away for a few days and it's wonderful to meet some people, you are there really for the education. And yep. so you do need to remember that over two days, you need to pace yourself. Mm. Okay, that's just a, a <laughs> by the by. But the main point that I wanted to make is after the conference, and this is the big issue that always gets spoken about, how can you make that conference make a difference? How can you really make that investment worthwhile? How can you make it more than just that was a really interesting half day of my life or that was a really interesting two days of my life? And I think in this day and age, it's just a matter of being realistic. If you can take one point from the conference and put it into practice, one tip that you got at that conference and put it into practice, then that's probably one more than most people who are going to the conference are doing. So I always tell people, don't try and make 17 changes and do 25 things after the conference because you're not going to because mm. you're going to get back to your desk and need to answer all of the emails and deal with all the small business stuff that you haven't dealt with that day because you've been at the conference. One thing. Put one thing into practice, make that one change. But the most important thing, I think, is to take the names, contacts that you've made and do something with those contacts, as in make the networking genuinely worthwhile. So set up a coffee with that person that you met that you thought, actually, we need to continue this conversation, but we haven't had the opportunity today and, and act on that. Or take the one presentation that really was game changing for you and send that out to you, you know, send the key messages that you've now got 
in your system already, send those three key messages out to your key customers yeah. with a, hey, I just attended the such and such conference and there was a session on whatever it was, digital disruption, and they were talking about a million things, but I just wanted to send out the three key messages because I think it'll be really relevant for you. And so then you've taken your investment, you've now taken that and you've solidified it and you've condensed it and now you've sent it out to your customers. So you've used it as a marketing opportunity and a reason to touch base with your customers and your clients. So you've really made something of it. If you do that, and that's only one thing, then I think you've done more than most people do when they get back from a conference, which is with a whole page of notes that they never look at yep. and they really don't think about doing anything with it. So yeah, my message, do uh, something with what you've done. I think that's a, that's a great point and that's, um, that absolutely kind of squeezes value out of the conference or event and again, sort of as you said there, sort of perhaps setting yourself a target at the outset that you're going to do a little report or summary of things that you learn is just such a good discipline because then you know if you're sitting in an audience sort of thinking a little bit like a journalist you know you are going to pay attention because you know you're going to write something afterwards and I think that's, that's right. a, you know a good very very good goal to have that's totally brilliant so look I had um Yvonne Adele on our, our podcast recently I'm sure have you come across Yvonne I'm I sure you would yeah I've come across her before okay so Yvonne does a lot of speaking at events and and helps people with uh, sort of presentation skills so um I, I asked her this question I'm going to ask you the same one I haven't prepared you for this so sorry about that um can you recall anything or what what would be the biggest sort of thing that went a little bit awry for you in your 20 odd years of emceeing can you have you got a, a lasting memory that makes you want to crawl under your desk uh, well, it doesn't necessarily make me crawl under my desk, but it's one. It's certainly one thing at a conference that I will never forget. At a conference in Bangkok about seven or eight years ago for an IT conference where there was, I think, 800 people mm. in the room right. from all over Asia, from all over Australia, New Zealand and America, various a lot of cultures. It was being simultaneously translated right. into six or seven languages. Gosh. And there was a and there was a power failure. And when I say a power failure, I mean a power failure that there was literally no sound and no lights. Oh dear. And everybody looks at the MC. What do you what did well, you Well everyone do? sort of looked in the general direction of the MC. There was enough light. And I was actually very conscious of not only that the presenter wasn't able to present. I was on stage at the time. Yeah. But I was also conscious of the fact that the people in the room who were being simultaneously translated to wouldn't even understand anything that I was saying at that point. Oh, God. So what did you, did you do a dance act or something? What did you no, do? No, I actually love, like if I'm honest, I love moments like that because it just right. gets my brain jumping up and down and, and moving in all sorts of different directions. I didn't panic whatsoever because everybody was just giggling and laughing at the prospect. Yeah, okay. Nobody was genuinely worried right. at all. So I just signalled for everyone in the room just to stand up and to start doing exercises. And I'm right. not in any way an aerobics instructor, but I just... <laughs> got them to start doing the various exercises and things that I was doing. And we did that for a couple of minutes and then the lights came back on and the sound came back on and we got on with it. And it actually wasn't something that troubled me. It was actually quite good fun. Oh, but it's never go. happened since. 
Interesting. It's anyway, it's funny, isn't one, it? That's yeah. one bit. Well, I thought I think it's a good one, and that that you know, getting people to move around is uh, you know the universal language, and uh, obviously it worked well. I, I, I particularly admire the fact that you didn't concern yourself with this at all. That's pretty damn good. I think the the, the, the the serious side of actually what I'm saying, if I'm honest, is that the one thing more than anything else that people like to do at conferences is actually have the opportunity just to talk to each other. Yeah. And what I mean by that is if you're, if the PowerPoint breaks down or if the sound or light does not work or if a speaker's running three minutes late, a lot of conference organisers panic at that situation. And I'm very comfortable as an MC just standing up and saying to people, look, it's just going to take a couple of minutes for whatever to happen. Um, turn to the person next to you and have a little bit of a chat about mm. what you've learned at the conference so far. And there's just not an issue. No. Like none of those things matter. I think after doing it for 20 years, there's just really nothing that it just none of those things are important. People like the opportunity to network, and that, if anything, those misadventures force people to network, and they've got a funny little memory that they can share. Yeah, look, I think that's so true. I think one of the um, the best events I ever did was one that I didn't turn up at, which is my my plane couldn't land at Oldbury for a breakfast meeting. Uh, I couldn't get in because of bad weather. And um, when I spoke to the organizer afterwards, I was sort of deeply apologetic and you know very concerned that. 70 odd people had uh, turned up and I wasn't there and he said he said we had a fantastic morning he said everybody and I said you know it didn't do my ego any good but they had a great time um did, just, they, did they send you a testimonial saying thank yeah. you so much Robert for not turning up to the conference it was hugely memorable <laughs> they didn't but god I should have asked for it shouldn't I maybe That's I a will testimonial you should ask for I know you're right I will I'll, I'll see if I can track them down look Andrew. Thank you so much for talking to us. Um, for those who'd like to find out more of Andrew's work, um, please pop along to Andrew Klein, that's K-L-E-I-N, andrewkline.com.au, or as Andrew suggested a couple of times during this talk, uh, check him out on LinkedIn. He's all over LinkedIn. So, uh, Andrew, thanks again for spending your time with the uh, Flying Solo community and um, enjoy the rest of your year. Absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed chatting with you. Thanks for having Great. me, Robert. Thank you. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au. 